Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Leah, and this is Let's Talk Outdoors. Today we are talking about photography, book publishing, and exploring the world near and far with our guests Robin and Arlene Carpen. Robin and Arlene are travel writers, photographers, authors, and nature enthusiasts. We hope you leave this episode with a new appreciation for Saskatchewan and the natural world around us. Can you guys explain a little bit about yourselves and um, about your business? Um, Parkland Publishing is our uh, our book publishing business. We do uh, books primarily on travel and photography in Saskatchewan. And uh, other part of our business, we, we also operate a blog uh, called uh, photojourneys.ca. And that uh, has to do with travel actually in in different parts of the world although recently with the travel restrictions it's been mostly uh close to home a lot of a lot of saskatchewan and we still do some uh, freelancing for various um, outlets uh, we often write for prairies north magazine for example and we have a um, ongoing travel column with the western producer on on um, travel and and photography and anything related to just about whatever we want to write about. Very cool. How long have you guys been doing this? Forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been uh, doing a writing and photography for for quite a number of years, and then uh, 1998 is when we set up Parkland Publishing to to do our books and. Uh, so it's it's been it's been quite a while. What what made you get into the business of writing <laughs> travels? Well, we did a lot of travel in 1979 to 80. We uh, we decided that we were just going to go to Central and South America for six months, and we took a Spanish course in Guatemala for a week. Uh, that prepared us. And we went um, just uh, hoofing it through uh, different parts of, of uh, Latin America. And when we came home, we said, you know, wouldn't it be neat if we could share some of these experiences with other people? And um, we both have lots of university degrees and everything. So we figured, well, we should be able to do some, some writing. And, and uh, Robin was working on developing his photography skills and found that that was really his calling and and so we put everything together and uh, we started freelancing and one thing led to another and then we got some uh, contracts for um, government for with tourism and with some other tourism agencies in the province and then it went into desktop publishing and brochures and it just it just sort of morphed and morphed and uh, but that was the beginning of it in the 1980s, and and uh, we haven't looked back. It's been a, a great career. Uh, it's taken our us all around the world. We've been to all seven continents, and uh, but we still call Saskatchewan home for a lot of good reasons. You guys have three books written about traveling in Saskatchewan. Um, outside of this being your home, what's made you want to focus more on writing about the prairies? Uh, well, first of all, we've had um, about 15 books. Oh. Not, not all are in, in print right now. We've had some that have, uh, have um, for example, we did a hiking book on Saskatchewan and it uh, sold out and um, we haven't done a new one, at least not yet. But um, 
So we have a few different books on Saskatchewan. And I think when we first started, there weren't a lot of travel books uh, on Saskatchewan. So that's kind of where, where we started from. And then as we continued, we kept finding other aspects of it. For example, um, we did um, uh, photography books on scenic areas in Saskatchewan, another one on wildlife, another one on canoeing, kind of a canoe country in Northern Saskatchewan. And then that kind of branched out. Um, our most recent one is called Saskatchewan's Best Scenic Drive. So it's driving routes, uh, getting off the beaten track in different parts of Saskatchewan and then uh, Photographer's Guide. And then probably our, our most successful book, The Great Saskatchewan Bucket List, it's about 50 natural wonders in Saskatchewan you should see before you kick the bucket. <laughs> and that one we sold out just before uh, Christmas last year. So right now we're busy updating that to release a new edition uh, around the beginning of April. That's fantastic. Yeah, I could maybe talk about our, our very first book and how we got into the publishing business in the first place. Our first book uh, came, which was called Northern Sandscapes, Exploring Saskatchewan's Athabasca Sand Dunes. And we had traveled, uh, taken a canoe trip alone up there in, uh, along the William River just by ourselves in the early 1990s. And we were just flabbergasted by the beauty and the uniqueness of this environment. And that led to other trips up to the dunes, to different areas to learn more about them and to find out more about why, why they're so unique and, and um, more photography as always more and more. And then eventually we came up with the idea, you know, a lot of people have heard about the Athabasca sand dunes and not many people have been there. And even if people can't get there, they still should know about the sand dunes and what's unique and, and very special and how fragile they are and how they got there in the first place. So we said, let's, um, let's write a book about that. And we, we checked with a few other publishers. And after, after a few uh, um, attempts, maybe at, at getting somebody else to do it, we said, no, let's just, let's just do it ourselves. We had all the skills. We had the photography. We had the desktop publishing and layout skills. And we did. And that was our first book. And it was a success. And it's still in print. And people still refer to it as, um, as one of the, well, it's an interesting book about the dunes. It tells you um, a lot of, about why it is a special place. And then from there, yeah, we got into, well, there was no, no books about hiking in Saskatchewan. So, well, all right, let's do a book on hiking. And it just went on and on. And um, that's how we grew in our, um, in our business career. Well, and you guys really were trailblazers in creating kind of what current social media and other networks now are kind of utilizing as well. But you guys were kind of some of the first early trailblazers of like, this is a travel book. This is kind of what can help you guys if you want to adventure or see things. You know, you were doing this before. It was kind of the cool thing to do for lots of people to, to be able to do it. So that's really, I just thought that was really cool. And, um, you know, I've seen some of your photos uh, now. And if I didn't realize, but they were, they've been, I've been looking at your guys' photos for 
for years and years all around my, uh, my in-laws and um, at my school, we have a couple and uh, it's, it's neat to, it's neat to meet the faces that have created them. And I think that's such a cool part of your, uh, your work is that if you go online, the photography of your guys's work is so cool because you can't tell if it's Saskatchewan or not. I think that's such a neat, a neat element is you don't know where in the world it is that you're taking these photos because they kind of capture all these little unique places that most Saskatchewanians maybe haven't been yet. Yeah, that in fact, a lot of that was um, was on purpose. We were trying to show parts of Saskatchewan that people may not immediately uh, connect that that is somewhere in Saskatchewan. And uh, like you said, it's um, it's not only from from people outside of the province. Uh, it's also people in Saskatchewan as well who uh, who may not know what's in all these different corners of the province. For example, uh, the sand dunes, and it's not only the Athabasca sand dunes. There's we often refer to Saskatchewan as the sand dune capital of Canada because we not only have the biggest sand dunes, which are the uh, Athabasca, we also have the second biggest in the country, which is the Great Sand Hills, and then a few others thrown in, like the ones in Douglas Provincial Park and at Good Spirit Lake and, uh, and a few other places. So really, there's no other part of the country that even comes close to mm. Saskatchewan and having, having sand dunes. Yeah, it's such a cool backdrop, seeing all the photos that you guys take there. and Yeah, just the different biodiversity that's there too, that's just nowhere else. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, getting back to the Athabasca sand dunes, it's it's we often look at it as not only unique in Saskatchewan or Canada, but really in the world, because every pretty well every other major sand dunes you can think of anywhere in the world, they're either in deserts or in in incredibly dry areas. But these are smack in the middle of the boreal forest, next to one of the biggest lakes in Canada, and it's cut by three different rivers. So that kind of mix, not only of, of sand and, and desert-like conditions, but you also mix trees and water with that. And you, and you get something that's, that's, I think, really unique in the world. I think in our career, we've been very fortunate to have uh, gone to many interesting and uh, unusual places in Saskatchewan. And uh, what comes to mind first thing is, is canoeing uh, in a few years ago, we did a book called Northern Saskatchewan Canoe Country. And it's a hardcover photographic book about the different landscapes that there are in Saskatchewan's rivers, using the rivers as the, the means to get to these places and to experience some of the, um, the different landscapes. And we don't mean, we didn't mean that book to um, encourage people to necessarily go to these rivers, but a lot of people have, of course, but we also wanted um, something like this to be kind of a legacy for even armchair travelers who are not able to get to these places, but they can still see what the environment is like and what's special about them and, and the different um, waterfalls that there are. And learn about the history and, and why they were important in the fur trade and, and how we can experience them now. So it's not only, you know, that we hope to get people more interested and active in terms of getting out there, but uh, just, just disseminating that knowledge and letting people know what we have in our natural heritage in the province and um, 
how lucky Robin and I have been, along with many of our canoeing partners, to experience this. You have. Uh, how about you ask it, Mike? Sure. <laughs> I'm stumbling. No, it's all good. You guys are. You both are out in nature so much, and since your business is so much tied around, you know, documenting and blogging and taking photos and. Do you guys ever find that it's hard to just focus on enjoying a moment out in nature? Or do you kind of get caught up in for this would be great for our blog. (laughs) We should be getting this angle or do you guys just get to stop and relax every once in a while? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, um, it's one of these things where it's hard to, um, it's hard to divide (laughs) one to the other. And when we go somewhere and uh, it, it, it may not necessarily be uh, something that we're going to write about for an article or blog about, but if it turns out to be a neat experience and we get some great photos, um, all the better. And, and sometimes we'll be going out to get photos specifically for a project. So it's, it's, I, I suppose it's a good problem to have in that we don't really know when we're working or we're not. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, a great thing to be able to have to uh, have recreation and share that with your work and and do with it what you want. And even if we don't blog about it or or do anything more with it, we still have those photos to remind us of the experience and what happened on that particular day or um, on that adventure. So it's it's all good. I like how you've used your photos to make nature and outdoors more accessible to people who don't have the means to go to those places, just like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, we, we tried to have a balance. And, and, and that's one of the things we did in, in our uh, Great Saskatchewan bucket list book was to have that, that the majority, the vast majority of places there are places that anybody can get to, you know, um, you, you simply drive up to them or you take a short hike. Um, a few are a little more difficult. You know, you have to maybe hike a little farther or, or it's a, a little farther off the beaten track. And then we have a few that are simply difficult. And it's, it's to give people a range of things. And uh, part of the idea is that every quest worth its salt should have a few challenges. So we, we try to, you know, do something that for so it's accessible for people who just want to go out for a drive and take a short hike or or go watch birds or find a few critters and also something for for people who who really want to get out into the back country and do something that's a little challenging as well have you noticed an increase in interest in your bucket list book with the current covid situation definitely in fact yes. that's what happened is is that uh when things first shut down like in spring last year uh it it looked like the whole year was going to be a bust like that's the time of year when the bookstores will be ordering their stock for summer and things were just flat i mean nothing nothing happened while the stores were closed and then once things once summer came around then it just took off because uh, people were traveling closer to home. And also the majority of our books are about natural areas and places like you can drive to or go hiking. So there are places that are, if you're observing COVID protocols and social distancing and that, I mean, that, that fits right into it. Even, even with all the pandemic problems, 
uh, a lot of the things that we write about are things that you can you can still do. And I think that's another important point to maybe make is that the pandemic has affected us in uh, different ways. It uh, has kept us home this winter. This is the first year ever, ever that we have spent the entire winter at home. So that's uh, made a, a, a difference in our lifestyle and uh, certainly it's curbed our international travels uh, uh, completely. But on the other hand, we've done things that we um, were looking for more opportunities to do things uh, closer to home. And we can still get outdoors. You can still do that uh, in Saskatchewan um, in spite of the pandemic. And yes, uh, you might have to uh, watch as you're walking the Miwasan Trail, you, you don't get too close to other people or whatever, but we can still get out and, and enjoy nature and still find um, the beauty of nature and the magic of it in, in so many different ways, even close to home. And you, you don't have to go far to, to find it. Um, just a few days ago, uh, we were out on our walk um, just around our neighborhood here. We'd go for a walk every day. And all of a sudden I saw in one of the trees, there were, oh, probably a hundred Bohemian waxwings just cleaning off all the berries on a mountain ash tree. Now, like that's in our backyard, almost literally, it's, it's a block away from us. So um, I told Robin when I got back from my walk and he went out with the uh, camera and, you know, there's, a, there's an opportunity right there and uh, we feed birds in our own yard here too. So um, we can get out and, and photograph them. And there, there's, there's lots and lots of things to do that are uh, close to home and you, you don't have to go that far to um, interact with nature and, and um, enjoy the experience. And the other, the other interesting thing was uh, over the past week or two, when we had that uh, you know, minus 35, minus 40 weather, um, hear a lot of people complaining but actually I that was one of my favorite times for for photography especially uh again not getting too far away from home but going down to the riverbank in in Saskatoon where you have the the part of the river is still open so you get a lot of the steam coming up because it's mixing with the cold air and some of the areas are just coated in frost like on, on the trees and the other vegetation and then you get the sun the low sun shining through that that foggy mist and uh i mean there were some just great opportunities that we had simply because we have minus 35 degree weather so uh i think even even when we get cold weather there are good opportunities to get out and do things and you two actually recently wrote or were part of an article talking about uh, win winter camping in Saskatchewan, hey, and how you guys went up to around the Waska Sioux area. Um, I guess for those who are a little more apprehensive about jumping outside and in, into the winter, what would be your best pitch for them to go and do it? Uh, well, one great thing about comparing uh, winter to summer camping is there's no mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that in itself is worth it. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's a, it's a totally different experience. Like up in Prince Albert National Park, uh, the approach they've taken for the winter is that the normal campgrounds are closed, but then they've opened up two picnic sites for winter camping. And people who are familiar with that area, one is Painton Beach and the other is um, 
is Birch Bay. They're both on opposite sides of Waskasoo Lake. So they're picnic sites. So, but you can winter camp there. And uh, they've, the, 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 I think the best thing about it is that they've got closed in kitchen shelters. So, and they've got a wood stove and there's firewood there. So you can cook your meals there and keep warm. I mean, you're still sleeping out in your tent, but um, it's just a matter of taking more, taking more clothes, taking more clothes. Um, you know, we had our down sleeping bags and then some extra down blankets on top of that. And it's, it's all doable. I don't know if I would do it in minus 35, although a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, but if, if the, you know, moderate winter weather, it's, it's quite doable. And I think the motivation for it was just being out there and alone or fairly alone. Uh, the crowds are all gone. Uh, the stores are mostly closed and you feel uh, like the whole park is, is yours to explore. And some of the animals that we saw and some of the birds were really special. Um, our first ever pileated woodpecker. And we watched it for probably 20 minutes. It was working away at a, a nest hole or else it was um, trying to find ants or bugs or something inside this, this hole. And it didn't seem to be bothered at all by our presence. Um, so we watched it and, and thoroughly enjoyed that experience and got some Robin got some uh, really good photos of it too. So just being able to interact with uh, the wildlife and the elk, they still have uh, their uh, antlers on and they still look regal and they can be found usually near the uh, town site um, as you're coming in from the Southern entrance. So it's, uh, it's beautiful um, going along the Narrows Road, which was open, uh, good chance of seeing foxes. Uh, Talked to a friend who saw a wolf um, kill there, um, just out on the ice on the lake. And uh, you go to Peyton Beach and some of the other beaches and then at the Narrows and you get mobbed by the Canada Jays. So you don't have to go very far looking for, uh, looking for wildlife uh, in the park at this time of year. And there, there's really um, maybe, what would you say, Robin, another half dozen cars that we encountered on on any one area, you know. Yeah, very there few are very people. few people. And at, at, yeah. when we were there anyways, there was no one else camping. Uh, weekends no. might be a little different to get more people. Mm -hmm. And the other the other uh, benefit of winter, being out in the winter, is that if you like photographing, say, sunrise, sunset, it comes at more uh, decent times of the day. <laughs> in the <laughs> middle of the summer, you have to get up incredibly early to get the sunrise. But when we were uh, camped at, at uh, Waska Sioux Lake, we could get up, have breakfast, be on our second cup of coffee, then go photograph the sunrise over the lake. And, and the same thing if you like to see the night sky and photograph uh, uh, the stars or uh, chance of seeing aurora is, uh, you know, you might see that at eight, nine o'clock. I, and Arlene, I know you do take photos as well, but I think Robin, I think these were a couple of yours. When um, you go through a whole bunch of your photos online, there's so many of them with animals that are looking right at you. And you guys actually do a little special online too about kind of how how to capture those moments where an animal is staring you right in the eye or to get at their level. How <laughs> How do you set up those shots so well where you have so many of these like lions and tigers and bears and 
Yeah, it's it, you guys have such a wide selection of creatures that you capture in these moments. How do you do that? How, how long are you sitting there in one spot just waiting for them to look at you? Uh, well, I'll um, I'll tell you what Robin did for the grebes and uh, some of the some of the birds. Uh, he has he made a floating blind at our farm, and that's where some of the uh, our best bird pictures are from. We have a few wetlands at our farm, so he said, "Yeah, he's going to make this floating blind," and that's what he did. He went out uh, in the blind, he camouflaged it, and just uh, put on hip waders and walked through the shallow water. And the grebe uh, came right up to him and was curious, you know, well, what's this thing floating around? I haven't seen that before. And then Robin's taking pictures and, and uh, getting, uh, you know, getting the, the, the shots right at eye level. So that was um, kind of a special case. And uh, I, I know that he would enjoy doing more of that. I don't, uh, I don't do that type of photography i'm more like a flower person or a mushroom person (laughs) (laughs) or uh, uh, sorry go ahead i was gonna say sometimes i look more at the big scene and uh but not that robin doesn't but you know we just have different views on uh what might make a good picture or sometimes when we're out on a hike i leave him behind to to take a photo of whatever it was that captured his imagination. And I go on um, ahead and, and look for something that interests me. And, and then somehow we meet in the middle. And, and that's, <laughs> that's uh, I guess, why we work together so well. And when you see a lot of those photos where, where, the, where the critter is looking right at you and, and what you're seeing is that uh, 50th of a second where that happened. <laughs> And not the hours of sitting and waiting or looking and uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of the the uh, animal photos closer to home um, we do out of a vehicle and uh, because it's almost like a like a blind um, you know most people have noticed if you let's say you drive drive a road and you see a wetland with a lot of birds on it uh, if you stop and get out of the car they're going to scatter but if you stay in the car and try not to make a lot of noise, um, chances are they'll, they'll kind of stop and kind of have a look and, and kind of go about their business. So, so we often get a lot of, a lot of photos like that as well, uh, where you're, you're kind of half hidden in the, in the car. Yeah, very and cool. In fact, uh, you were mentioning lions and so on. That's how all of the photos of that. <laughs> we don't go creeping around outside. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's a blind you could create no. that would make you feel very well, safe. Well, there are, there are some, but no, for, for the most part, you're photographing from a view. <laughs> and I know which, uh, which um, blog article that you're referring to is making eye contact uh, mm-hmm. for better photography. And there is a picture of a baby harp seal. And we were literally nose to nose with that seal right on the uh, ice flows in the Gulf of St. Lawrence on a trip that we took to, to uh, watch harp seals um, in, from the Magdalene Islands um, several years ago. So that was, uh, that was a really special moment uh, being right face to face with them. Uh, it was uh, something you'll never forget. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned that this is the first winter that you've stayed home all winter. So um, because I have two questions related to that. One is, 
are you feeling uh, the urge to travel? Like, has it been hard for you to stay home? Or are you finding different ways to spend your time? I, I wouldn't say it's hard. I mean, we, we prefer to have the option uh, if we wanted to go somewhere else. And, uh, but no, I, I think it's a matter of adapting. I mean, that's the, that's the situation this year. Maybe next year, hopefully, will be, will be different. But um, even though we have the urge to go farther afield, um, on the other hand, it gives us a chance to look for things that are a little closer to home. So we've done other things, like we mentioned the uh, camping at PA Park. Uh, we can we do a lot of day trips just outside of Saskatoon, places like uh, uh, Pike Lake. There's there you could still walk some of the trails, and there's often bird life around. Um, we've taken trips out of town looking for snowy owls. Um, so there's there's uh, there's no shortage of things to do, even though our our options are maybe a little more limited than they were in the past. Yeah, you you find other things to do. There's baking and cleaning and and uh, <laughs> yeah. and other things like if all families do. But uh, you know, the other way to look at it is in another six weeks, we'll probably be taking a trip up to our farm to open things up again and and uh, start another season. So. It, it won't be, yes, another six weeks of, of winter, perhaps, but we'll, we have lots of things to look forward to um, in the coming seasons as well. You, you've obviously traveled extensively and COVID situation aside, are there still places that are on your bucket list that you want to visit? Oh, yeah. I think I figured out once uh, that if I live to be at least 135, I'll get around to half of them. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are so many places we'd still like to go. But uh, I mean, that's, that's the, uh, that's a downside of traveling a lot is that, is that the more you do, the more you hear about other things that are just a little farther afield uh, that you'd like to do. But and I mean, that happens at home, too. Uh, we, um, we, we've done a fair amount of ca canoeing in, in the north and northern Saskatchewan, talk to other friends who've canoed some other rivers that we haven't yet. So so that gets put on our bucket list and uh, and on it goes. So yeah, we're would you share <laughs> would you share one or two of the places that are that you hope to travel someday? Uh, sure. well, some of the places in the north, uh, a lot of people really like Reindeer Lake, which we really haven't been to other than just the the, the area around um, town of South End, which is on the south end of the lake. Uh, there are several other rivers in the north. There are some, you know, there are still parts of the Churchill River we haven't been on. Um, you know, there's there's quite a bit. Yeah, and internationally, I think Iceland is, uh, is pretty high on our mm. list, and Indonesia, where we have not traveled before. So, but um, there's so many problems there too with um, eruptions and and uh, difficulties. I uh, I think it'll be a while before we we get around to some of these places. But but we can still hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they make great photos, but just a bit of a different <laughs> <laughs> different feel to it. Yeah. You guys have done so much travel, but what is something about Saskatchewan that you find kind of always brings you back here instead of you guys could stay away for a long time, but what always brings you back home? I think, uh, well, first of all, it's home. And uh, I think 
that's enough of a reason there. But but if we look at it, just comparing to other places, uh, the amount of diversity that we have here, uh, from where we are in Saskatoon, we can head south and be in the grasslands very quickly, or we can turn the other direction and in a couple hours, we're right into the boreal forest and lakelands and rivers. And, and those are, you know, two very different types of landscapes uh, that we have um, uh, surrounding us. And then, like we mentioned before, uh, we've got sand dunes, we've got a lot of badland areas, um, a lot of the um, Southern, and I mean, there's some place, there's some really special places like Chaplin Lake in Southern Saskatchewan, which the uh, the Western Hemisphere Shorebird Network has rated as of, of hemispheric importance. It's 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 important to the entire Western Hemisphere for the uh, number of uh, migrating shorebirds that come through. So we've got places like that. Uh, there, the bird life here is. Um, incredible. We, we've, we've often hear about Saskatchewan being the duck factory of North America, where uh, I mean, a quarter of the ducks in the whole continent come from here. And then we've got half of Canada's pelicans. We've got, uh, you know, the shorebird, we're right on the uh, central uh, North American flyway. So we get uh, uh, like hundreds of thousands of uh, snow geese and cranes coming through. And this is also one of the top places uh, to see whooping cranes. Uh, when they uh, make their, uh, their trek every fall from, uh, from uh, where, they, uh, where they nest in Wood Buffalo Park down to the uh, Texas Gulf area, this is their preferred place to stop and have a rest and feed is in parts of Saskatchewan, usually within a hundred kilometers or so of Saskatoon. So there's there's a lot of special things that we have here. I think what really keeps me here is is the uh, the chance for more adventure. Like last fall when we saw the whooping cranes, yeah, the whooping cranes come through here every year and they have done for a long time, but we haven't seen them before. We haven't seen them in great numbers. So that was our first experience um, seeing you know forty or fifty at one time, and it just blows your mind away. So there's always, you know, just around the next corner, there's there's always the the chance that something like that, really, really special and meaningful and um, insightful, just just might come up. And I think that's what keeps me um, around. Is is um, you never know what's what's um, beyond uh, or just down the road. Um, like our farm in the Thickwood Hills, uh, we often go um, just driving around there. There's areas where we haven't been before. We just discovered um, a bird sanctuary a couple of years ago. Well, like we've lived there for um, a long time and or spent the summers there anyway, and uh, have never seen that place before. Hmm. So those kinds of opportunities and uh, just just getting out and and uh, and even old stuff. Okay, so we've walked this nature trail before. Well, that's okay, but you can do it again. And it's going to look different the second time because you're going to see different birds and the light will be different and the flowers will be different. And, oh, there's um, there's mushrooms over there if there's been a lot of, uh, uh, of moisture. So even though you, you do um, some things or revisit some things, it's never going to be the same experience. And 
I'm sure that uh, you're going to find that too with uh, with children on you know on some of the programs and some of the comments that that they're making is that um, yeah you can walk around a, a, a small pond and today you're going to hear the the chorus frogs and uh, the next time they walk around it could be the spring mating call of uh, of some birds or something so it's never the same experience and I think that's what that's what keeps me here. Plus, we don't have to travel far. You know, you can uh, you can um, enjoy so many things in in this province within a fairly small area, and not that much time in your vehicle spent getting from point A to B. I think the the big thing that I keep coming back to is every time we we travel to a lot of other parts of the world is that we live in a fairly big province with just over a million people, and that that population density is is there's so many parts of the world where where you don't have that uh you go to see something you go to a uh, a park or some famous spot and you're cheek to jowl with hundreds of other people a lot of the really special places in saskatchewan you can go uh for example um one of our favorite things in the south is going to see uh the big mighty badlands castle butte like at sunrise or sunset middle of summer chances are you're going to be by yourself or there might be one other car uh same thing uh looking over the badlands and grasslands national park there there might be a few other a scattering of a few other people around um, a couple of years ago, we did um, did a canoe trip along uh, the south shore of Lake Athabasca, and uh, and the week we were out, we never saw another person or another boat. So there's there's not many parts of the world where you can have a big chunk of of natural areas pretty much pretty much to yourself. And we've got special things in Saskatchewan too. Uh, we always like to talk about the uh, springtime uh, snake orgy that happens at uh, Pelly or near Pelly in Eastern Saskatchewan. This is always fun. Uh, we've been there a few times and when the red-sided garter snakes uh, emerge from their hibernaculae around uh, the riverbank there on the Swan River, or near the Swan River, and they come out around Mother's Day, and the whole area is just crawling with snakes. And this is, uh, again, one of nature's uh, pretty special things. And, and we have it here right in our own backyard. And the prime time to visit is Mother's Day or around that weekend. So um, I've offered to take my mother there, but um, she hasn't uh, <laughs> uh, expressed an awful lot of interest. <laughs> Neither have a lot of other mothers. But <laughs> if you're from that community, it's, it's a big deal. You know, the people do go from the community and have a picnic out there. And it's, it's their own special little um, attraction. And uh, so I'd, I'd highly recommend that for, a, you know, a fun time experience um, um, before the May list. long weekend. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's one of these uh, rare occasions when whenever you get a, a clash between uh, people and wildlife, it's usually the often it's the wildlife that comes out on the short end of things. But but here just the opposite happened because this is at Fort Livingston and Fort Livingston was at one time, it was the, the capital of the Northwest Territories. Well, they were getting ready to move the uh, permanent capital to Battleford for a couple of years. 
that's where the Northwest Council met. And it was also the first headquarters of the Northwest Mounted Police after they did their, their March West. So they built uh, these buildings here, not knowing about the snakes, apparently because it wasn't that, that time of year. And then when the snakes came out in the, uh, in the spring, it was quite a surprise. And there's all sorts of entries in, uh, in the uh, journals from the fort about uh, the snakes getting into everything. The Mounties would have snake catching contests for to pass the time. And now Fort Livingston is long gone. All there is is a, a plaque and a, a thing marking it, but the snakes are still there. So this is one place where the wildlife won out. The ground moves. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty neat. <laughs> Do you guys have talked about like kind of how you know you can be pretty isolated out in nature often or the environment? Have you guys ever found yourself in a bit of a precarious situation where you're like, I wish there was somebody else around right now? <laughs> not not really. No, not I mean so much. No. We've we've been in oh, for example, on canoe trips where where we've been caught in bad storms, things like that. But no, I don't. I don't think there's anything um, that I can think of. I mean, I th I think it's it's also once you travel in the wilderness for a while, you kind of get more comfortable. And um, I mean, a lot of people the thought the thought of being away from other people or or not you know being close to technology and so on is a, is is a scary thing. But I think. I think the more time you spend in nature, the more more comfortable you get with it. Mm. But we have, um, I just might uh, add a little bit to that. We have invested in devices such as an inReach, which uh, is, a, is a global positioning system device and you can send and receive texts and email messages. And that has, um, that has saved us um, a lot of gray hairs uh, mm. be because we know that we can be in contact with um, a pilot if we need to be, or we have the RCMP's number, or we can get a weather forecast. So we don't you know, rely on um, technology for just our day-to-day -day events, but in, in cases where we really need something or we need help, um, we know how to get it. And uh, that's, that's been a, um, a great soother, I, I think, for our families and, and for us too, knowing that we, we have contact. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you've made some really good selling points for Saskatchewan, which is sort of part of what Sask Outdoors is about, is encouraging people to get outdoors in Saskatchewan. Um, so in the, one of the questions we asked all our guests is, where is your favorite outdoor place to visit in Saskatchewan? Well, uh, that for me, it's no question it's the Athabasca Sand Dunes, uh, simply because it's just a, just such an incredible place and there's no other place that really compares with it. But uh, maybe Arlene could mention a few others because it's, it's uh, even though it's a great place, it's not easy to get there. You, you really have to be determined because uh, it's, um, it's in a provincial park, but it's um, there's there's no facilities at all. There's no people, no buildings, no roads, no infrastructure at all. And and when you get there, you have to be self-sufficient for for wilderness camping. So my favorite place uh, would have to be uh, the Athabasca Sand Dunes as well. 
but I'm going to mention a, a, a few others. Uh, we always enjoy going to Cypress Hills Provincial Park and the whole Cypress Hills area that extends far eastern, uh, far east from the, uh, the park. It's not just the park itself. Uh, that's a very uh, fascinating formation. The weather is different. The plants are different. We have alpine things that flowers and things that grow there and orchids, um, 12 or 14 different species of orchids more than any other um, part of uh, Saskatchewan. And uh, just the, the views, the conglomerate cliffs, uh, there's an, an unending um, enjoyment in, in uh, visiting the Cypress Hills uh, at different times of the year. So that would have to be pretty high on, on my uh, um, bucket list too as, as a favorite place to go. And I think I would second that with Prince Albert National Park again, mm. just because of the diversity. Yeah, and the landscapes and and the animals and and the birds and and uh, and the opportunities to get out in nature on hiking trails and and canoe routes and and into the backcountry. So that's a long great answer, answer, isn't it? That's no, a great no, it's great. <laughs> it's a hard question. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We're not looking for. You, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're not looking for sandals. We, we, it's great to have the explanation. Uh, another question that we ask all of our guests, and it's usually our last one, is if you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? I think mine would be um, that our governments would pay a little more attention to conservation. Uh, we hear a lot of lip service to it, but quite often, um, I mean, we just see time after time of, uh, of things not being done about uh, draining wetlands, uh, areas, uh, you know, sensitive natural areas getting used for other purposes and, uh, and so on. So I think, uh, I think that's something that uh, I would change if I could. And I think my biggest thing would be to maybe put technology aside, um, especially for children and families, if they can, and get out in nature and enjoy the magic of being in in wild places you don't always have to go to remote places like hunt falls or the athabasca sand dunes it, it can be uh, enjoying nature uh, very very close to home and what it does for us is um, it renews our soul and it renews our spirit and i hope that um everyone will get the chance to experience that uh, that magic uh, and in in the places that Robin hopes are going to be conserved and and uh, protected, um, far into the future. Mm. I feel like those two answers complement one another. If the people in charge got out there and removed themselves from technology, I think that <laughs> it's an interesting interesting thing we found on when we did a canoe trip on the uh, Fond du Lac River, which is just an incredibly beautiful river, remote. And at one place at Manitou Falls, which is the kind of the top place along there and a great place to camp, is that there's a, a stone cairn. And in that stone cairn, there's a tin can with a um, kind of a journal that people uh, who are traveling will add to as they, as they come along and give their impressions of the river and the trip and so on. 
And somebody wrote that this should be mandatory for all government ministers and uh, corporate executives to see, because the problem is that they don't see places like this, but they're making decisions on. Yeah, hopefully with people like you, you guys are, are doing what you can to connect people as much as possible with your, your books and your business. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I learned a lot of little tidbits of knowledge just from what, <laughs> when you were talking about different places and all of the great things about Saskatchewan. That was great. Well, and it's great to see organizations like yours, uh, you know, encouraging people to get out as well. So thank you very much for your time. It was a great chat. Well, thank you. It's been fun talking to you. Yeah, Likewise. We, we enjoyed the, the chance to share some thoughts with you today. So, well, you guys are uh, just yeah. good traveling companions. So we had to split you up in your house to, to get better <laughs> reception. <laughs> Oh, we spend lots of time together. So we're socializing with our family group, right? Yes. Thanks okay, again. thanks again. Great. Nice to meet you guys. Okay. Nice to meet you. You too. Bye. 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 Take care. Mike, what were some of your biggest takeaways from that conversation? It was really neat hearing Robin and Arlene both explain kind of what goes behind capturing some of their unique moments from photography. Uh, they've been they've won so many awards now uh, for their work there, but it was neat to hear the stories of kind of yeah hours of how long it takes to get a shot and to kind of what goes into the setup and um, and just yeah how they can kind of piece all their photos together to make it. You don't know where you are and and you kind of just get to enjoy the work. How about you, Leah? What did you take away from it? I really liked the little snippets of information about the number of birds that are the nest in Saskatchewan or um, just those random natural and heritage history facts that they were able to share and link to the places that they travel and visit in Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. Maybe really further appreciate uh, what a great province we live in. Yeah, I need to go and visit this place where the snakes are, are mating so much that it seems like the ground is moving around us. I think that would be a pretty neat place to catch. And on Mother's Day, I mean, what else? That really sets the tone, I think. Personally, I, uh, I'm i quite interested in their, their bucket list book about Saskatchewan. You know, my family, uh, partly because we live on a farm, we can't, we don't travel too far, but we like to get away to closer places. So I'm quite curious about all of the places that they have explored and the hidden corners of Saskatchewan that I have no idea about yet. Mm -hmm. It was neat seeing, like, as you brought up a topic, it'd be neat seeing them, like, both think about it and then just get excited about talking about something that you can obviously tell they've been to quite a few of these places multiple times. But, yeah, they just have such cool memories. You can see it in their faces when they are explaining the places. It's not just that they do this for a business. They just do it because they really enjoy traveling with each other. Yeah, it sounds like they've got it figured out, right? Like she talked about it leaving him to take pictures while she hikes ahead <laughs> yeah, worked, to find her own yeah yeah that's neat if you enjoyed this episode subscribe leave us a review on whatever app you're listening on and send it to a friend who you think might be interested